1: a ton of encouragement, and maybe a little inspiration.
0: Today's podcast is called Body Image. It starts with babies. Yes, Body Image starts with the social perception surrounding our babies, and toddlers begin to internalize the social conventions around 18 months. Preschoolers are already measuring and comparing their bodies to their peers. Yes, parents and grown-ups are very much part of what a child thinks and feels about his or her body. Today, I'm thrilled to have a grandparent, a dad, and a mom here at the square table with me. We have Carol Cohen, Dylan Jovenet, and Carla Joffe Gerber. Carol was the first to ask me to include boys in this discussion, and the research is clear. Instead of becoming more inclusive about our girl standards, we as a culture have become more rigid about our boy body ideals. Let's bring some sanity back now. Carol, would you like to go first? Sharing your experiences for Eli, who's just turning two.
1: Well, My experiences really relate to when I have Eli with me and what the way my friends comment. Instead of saying, oh, he's really tall, they say, wow, he's a big boy. And they say that with a very different tone of voice than than what I would expect to hear, because I would expect to hear them being very positive, And they clearly are not positive. They think him being um, as tall as he is, and they just think that's a giant negative. And this is something
0: I'm hearing a lot, um, but it's a whole new twist in the dynamic, because... The, most of the research about boys is saying it's the underweight boys that are, ha- are having some struggles. and it's also saying that the 18 the study that was done by Florida State for 18 month olds that girls who weighed the same as boys were asked to be c- careful about their weight at 18 months, and the boys were being perceived as just the right. But what happens is, 18 months, two, two and a half, that preschool social growth period where they're learning about space and their perception of themselves with other people. There's, a, there's some pushing, there's some shoving, there's there's sharing of space. And I have this sad, sad, sad feeling that when bigger boys get into a little physical space with other children their age, they get perceived as bullies, and they get perceived as like that that tank coming through. And it's so sad because this is still the time when we want them to feel the power of their bodies, the strength. We want them to own that and then manage it in a in in a skill based way not in a judgment discipline ju- oh, I can't stand it we're gonna come back to it and we're going to come back to um, how you might respond how you respond and how you feel when he's in social settings so <sighs> but right now we'll just stop with the <laughs> Carla, I'm going to switch off. I'm going to go to Carla because you have boys. Um, what ha- what you, what drew, drew you to this concept, this topic? Well, based of body on what
2: you just said, being in this social setting, I get like my three year old. I've been told, oh, in case he hurts somebody because he's really big, and like he is <sighs> the sweetest, most gentle boy you will ever come across. He's the one that will rub your back if you're sad, or he'll he takes care of his friends at school. And previously, people have said, oh, but if he's he's so big. And if he hurts somebody because he's so big. And I'm like, no, he's not going to hurt anybody. You know, people think that he's going to hurt them because he's a big boy. And he's totally in proportion and fine. And I get that all the time.
0: Because he's so big. Yeah. You know? And, and the, the struggle with that to me is, it's like, how is it possible that we could not see that our perceptions and that fear and mistrust of them becomes internalized as toddlers. And then by the time you get to three, you know, he's he's going to become uncomfortable in his body. He's going right. to feel like who I am. And this is so much a part of see me,
1: hear me, love me. When not, I wrote, go ahead. Not necessarily uncomfortable with his body because I hear, and I don't know if Carl hears it, but I hear besides, oh, he's so big, He's going to be a football player. Oh, I get that all the time. What (laughs) about what he wants to be? Maybe whatever he wants to be. Or let's emphasize the things about him that are wonderful, like his brain, like his caring attitude. And what happens is we become part of shaping Mm -hmm.
0: with our expectations and our assumptions. What they believe is, are their options and opportunities in the world. This young, and and what I feel is, they don't get to. What I've always said is, see me, hear me, love me, is this self-portrait defining of themselves. If we meet kids where they are, every step of the way, then they can become from within who they want, and we support that. And that's what see. I say
2: is immediately when somebody meets them. Both my boys, they're like, Oh, he's gonna be
0: a football player, right. and
2: I'm like, He's gonna do what he wants to do.
0: And there, people are like, that's the same um, response I give. All right, so I, I, I know I invited Dylan to speak as a dad for his own children, but I'm curious about the dad perspective on hearing about this boy <coughs> stuff because I wonder if that assumption of Usually, the research is saying that the that it's the underweight boys that are at the disadvantage for this expectation. Mm -hmm. When you get to school age, do you think the dads like, yeah, I got the big guy? You know, is there a guy perspective on?
3: Well, uh, just really, yes, there is. And then we need to introduce yourselves. Well, no, I mean just to comment really quickly on what you were saying, I I tend to find that when somebody makes a comment like that about my children, it's more about the way they see the world. Usually, you know, people who make comments like that see the world through a peephole. Um, So I tend to, you know, uh, stand away or try not to... The last thing I want to introduce to my children is this concept of shame. You don't want to body shame mm-hmm. them, because I was body shamed as a child. And it's led me to uh, have a, a fluctuation with my weight my whole life, you know, my entire life. Um, skinny, fat, skinny, fat, big, skinny, big, skinny, whatever. And the biggest hurdle for me is to protect my children from what I, the issues that I had growing up. And that's a constant struggle. Um, you know, you, you, you're trying to walk a line, because i mean we're all living in a society we want to promote health right i mean we want our kids to be healthy right i mean right. we want them to lead a healthy life um, we want them to be socially accepted but we also want them to love and be themselves and to accept themselves so it's a it's a it's like walking a, a tightrope literally
0: well what we seem to do i think as a as a culture and as and in our parenting is we have this fear and this distrust and this anxiety. Like you said, it's a reflection of ourselves. And then what happens is, and then we try to like overmanage it in our children
3: mm-hmm. and
0: fix it and it's always the quick fixes mm. that, that knock us off center mm-hmm. because the bottom line is you go to a marathon and you see all those body types and you see people having a million different relationships to their own body and their own everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, how do I honor? with? And the shame is, is I mean, that has to be the one thing, mm-hmm. the guilt and shame that, that just knocks us always off
3: course. Yeah. And it'll stick with you for the rest of your life. At the young age, was it a, you know, Aristotle said, give me uh, somebody till they're seven years old and I'll give you Alexander the Great. You know, basically those first seven years are so important. Set. Set. They're set. So it's those first seven years that, you know, really, in my view, are so important in identifying that. I carried that shame with me for many, many years, and I go in and out of these phases. And to this day, so I find myself struggling now to overmanage it, quick fix it. And I have to have my wife say to me, back off. You know, you're you're bringing your stuff yeah. into this to the right. so We always bring, to the our, stuff. We course, always bring try, our stuff. Of course, but you don't yeah. want to bring that just, much of you your just stuff. You just want to see it
1: when it's starting <laughs> yeah, to come. Yeah, right. Hello. Thankfully, I have a
3: good partner that way.
1: It's so funny that you say that, Dylan, that that age is around seven because I'm not exactly sure what the age is, but... You know, at the two, three, four, five, being big is considered a bad thing. You know, they're going to hurt somebody else. They're going to be a football player. They're, you know, all of these things that help to give them a bad self-image, particularly the boys. And then by the time the boys are ten, that whole self-image, the whole uh, prospect of being a big boy. Changes because when they're 10, the big boy all of a sudden is stronger, you know, is going to succeed more.
3: Hmm. Oh, yeah, it becomes an advantage. But it's really (laughs)
1: difficult for the children to understand what changed. Their body hasn't changed, but all of a sudden, everybody's perception. Of them has Well, changed. the scary part right. for those those tweens
0: is that the research is now saying that those boys are out there trying to get six-pack abs. I mean, what's scary is all of those media ideals that we used to have just for women that were completely unrealistic and completely not our own have now come out in a mm. new Version for boys, and it's and it's. I don't know if it's that
3: new, Karen. You know, I I look back at Greek uh, statues of the the Greek ideals of a man. You know, it's been there for a while. You know, these concepts might be rotating new, but it was was
0: just under it was under our radar. uh, I think so. I think so. And and men and boys have felt
3: it. And and I don't want to speak to racism or prejudice. Is not the topic, but I'll say that few people have it rougher than people who are overweight because there are or body image bigger because the ultimate sub text to a comment like football player is neanderthal yeah, yeah. a big bruiser who right. can't control themselves that's right you know basically that's the right. that's the yeah. implication yeah. of a football player that kind of mm. comment we all know that but when i think I was,
2: it's now more in your face than it used to be i mean as you said growing up you had your faces i also did i was always like the fat girl and the big girl whatever and i always said i did not want my kids to be labeled like that and to, I wanted my kids to learn more about what's inside and how sweet they are and how kind they are and you treat others well. But I think in society, it's more in your face now of,
0: you know, oh, it's working moral. out. It's become a moral shame. It's, I mean, oh, one yeah. of the headlines yeah. was on, that I was looking, on, and I think it was on Scholastic and Parents Magazine have been doing a lot of this online. It's like, fat is the new ugly. Oh,
3: yeah. You know, oh, and it's, absolutely. And, and, Worse yeah. than ugly. Ugly you're born with. It's that, because people perceive it as a choice. You're just lazy. Yeah, they don't understand obsessive compulsive disorder. They don't understand Mm -hmm. any of those kinds of concepts. Not
1: only is it deemed that the child can control it, but it's deemed that you as the parent can control it. So it goes right back at you. Okay, I want to come to... Well, can food we. Food experiences with our
0: children and, and the activity level experiences with our children. That's a good question, yeah. But I have a question for you yeah. first, Dylan, because you haven't introduced yourself and your children. Mm. And then we want to hear, sure. as a father of a daughter, a mm. school-age daughter, how you're perceiving uh, this now.
3: Well, my name is Dylan Jovenet, and my daughter, Lila Jovenet, uh, it, you know, went to B'nai Torah, loved it. We're big fans. <laughs> what an experience it's been. We have a 7-year-old, and we have an 8-month-old boy, Teddy. And uh, my daughter is going to Donna Klein. And, you know, there's a... You might have even posted this. I, I read somewhere that children who have a, a gap between siblings often put on weight. And the rationale in the study that I was reading was that because you become home, you, you stay home so much more, you're less active the first year. Hmm. That the child ends up putting on, you know, a few pounds. And Lila... Uh, You know, Lila did a little bit, you know, and I'm talking a few pounds, but, you know, and then... I overreact with my craziness, you know. I become, oh my god, now we're gonna eat this and we're gonna do that, you know. And my wife's like, just relax. It's, let's bring up the activity a notch, and it's it's sorted itself out, sure, you know. Sure. The hardest battle for me is not to give her my issues,
0: and right. the, and and that you know? relationship to information in mm. the information age. Because I mean, I'm listening, going, whoa, like I never heard of that. Mm. But again, it's that trigger that says to a parent that's creating all kinds of anxiety in me and and whether it's an obesity article or whether it's an activity article or whether it's a kids should be in nature more I mm. mean just about everything in our culture is here to create fear and anxiety and pain yeah that sells <sighs> it sells, right. it sells. So, it's
3: good for business
0: tell us about how Lie. Tell me about your children's relationship to food at the dinner table or at meal times, and yeah. what they like, what they don't like. And Fair enough.
3: Eating. I grew up poor, food uh, welfare, food stamps, so we ate a peasant's meal, basically a peasant diet. Uh, lots of that, um, you know, macaroni and cheese. I mean, just bad foods. Not as many fast foods, but just you know, lots of carbs, lots of starch. Uh, you know, poor people's food. You know what you what you can buy for a dollar at the supermarket: a box of macaroni and cheese. Um, my, you know, I've been, knock on wood, fortunate, very successful in business, so I realized that I didn't realize that I had a poor person's diet, if you will, or a peasant's diet. Um, until i had children and stacy and i were feeding our kids the first few years kind of like what we were fed your par- what yeah or you know, what our parents fed us you know both of us have sim- similar socioeconomic backgrounds but it occurred to us that you know we don't have to eat like this anymore you know we're at that 40 years old age and you you know when you get to 40 you realize that you're not playing with house money you know with your health before that, you know, you're invincible. You think you're playing with house money. It's never going to end, you're, you know. But at 40, you start to see your mortality, you know, annual doctor visits and all that. So we said to ourselves, we have the means and the will to eat healthy. So we've just changed how, you know, you could tell kids a million things. What you do is what matters. So we started to change our diet, And as a byproduct, they've started to change their diet. You know, instead of cheese it snacks, it's carrots. You know, simple things like that. But we've just started to eat healthy because uh, we've just matured on our relationship with food. And the bigger thing for me, and I need to make this point, I need to hammer this point home, is the shame thing. If you associate, if a child is cursed, and it is a curse, to associate food and shame, the relationship will be perverse for the rest of their life. It has been for me.
0: So... The tri- I mean, so for example, in the subtlest ways, we try to make the changes in our classrooms. Where when children are coming to the snack table, we say, oh, Is your tummy hungry? Mm-hmm. You know, or when they look at me and go, I don't want that cheese stick mm-hmm. or that hummus or that really great snack, I'm like, You don't have to eat anything you don't want to. Mm-hmm. You know, where I can say, You decide what you put in your body, mm-hmm. and it's my job. To make sure that you have healthy choices and reasonable portions, mm-hmm.
1: um, and I it's do believe reasonable portions—you don't have to finish everything on your plate. You don't have you to finish You can get up everything. before you're finished with everything on I your don't plate, as long what goes as, as you are done. Yeah, and if you want more, you're welcome to have more. And, and sibling rivalry—you mm-hmm. see as well—you don't get to be upset because your brother or sister is having more. Because that's not what it's about. It's about what do you want? Do you want? Or need.
0: And it's so true that you could look at preschoolers and say, tell me what you want, tell me what you need. And they can tell you... From within themselves, and it's usually a pretty honest answer. Now, again, you have that whole dynamic of, if I don't let you have the birthday cupcakes, you know, am I going to, like, mm. go crazy for the cupcakes? And, yeah, for a little bit I might. But then you can say, you know what, enjoy the parts you like. Mm. T- to take that shame out and go, this is about what, and then you can also say, like, how do you feel? When you mm-hmm. eat six cookies versus one cookie, mm-hmm. you know, where you could really build a sense of this mm-hmm. is about you, your body and how you feel about mm-hmm. yourself. And I don't I can help steer it. And I can certainly, mm-hmm. you know, and I want to say because um, I came from a similar background, I mean, the potatoes and the, mm-hmm. the, the I mean, I just think of potatoes, and I love potatoes, mm-hmm. and I love breads. So do I. But but when I, but I think the bigger crisis maybe for our world is the processed food. It's the cheese. Oh, eggs. absolutely. It's the it's the travel yeah. with snacks. Yeah, absolutely. It's the, I also yeah. Yeah. That convenience food. Convenience
2: food. I was going to say it's just it's easy to grab a pack of gummies, or it's society. Like even you go to Publix and they give you a free cookie, whereas if you go to Whole Foods, they give you a free fruit. And it's mm. not about being free, but the, the children like. My what's kids a, what's no a treat. We go right. We go to Publix and they go get
1: a cookie. Like mm-hmm. they can you know, eat a banana, by the way, at Publix. Can yeah. they? I've yeah, started doing banana. that now. I do that now. I
2: because I I teach my kids to eat healthy, but I do expose them to everything because I think they need a little bit of exposure to everything to learn to control themselves. Um, but now we do. We go to Publix and they get a banana or we went, I went to I remember going to Whole Foods with my 19-month-old, and they were like, oh, he, you know, would you like a piece of fruit? And I gave him a clementine, and it was finished, and he started screaming because he wanted another one. Mm-hmm. My, my children, like, they love fruit, and they have a, I mean, they'll pick fruit to have that, but um, sometimes they will pick a junk food, and I'll give them just a, a little bit, but I think it's just convenient for a parent on the go all the time you grab things and it seems like you know like you were saying the cheaper foods so people grab it and I remember when I was teaching parents would give their children in their lunchbox a pack of gummies a pack of this a pack of that and because the box of the gummy says made with 100 percent fruit they think that that's their fruit and I think it's also about education and marketing Mm. comes into it
3: clever you know
2: and I think it's whatever you give your children from an early age is what they'll learn to eat Mm. like my cousin she teaches her kids she's very healthy whatever and she said to me she was here visiting from South Africa like a couple months ago and she said I always put a vegetable like whatever vegetable they were eating I always put the vegetable on his plate whether he ate it or not it was on his plate so he could see it Mm-hmm. And her son started eating vegetables that now mm-hmm. he'll be like, Mom, I'm hungry. Can I please have green peppers? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm. because she, it was, she said whether he ate it or not was his choice, but it was always on his plate and he always saw it. So he had his protein and his vegetables and that's what she ate and it was all there and it was always on his plate. So now then he saw it was then, oh, it actually looks good. It's colorful. Mm-hmm. And
0: the then they start it, eating it. That I think is so critical is whether it's your family meals And the role modeling and the food you have in your house, all of those things. But also when you describe going to Publix or Whole Foods, so much, there's a social-emotional layer to foods and eating. And that's why that flip side of the shame is so close to Mm. this social emotional because what happens is when they're going to the grocery store it's not just about what am I getting it's not really the food isn't about the food it's about that person I go and I have a relationship with this building with this store with with all of the factors in there and this thing and this treat or this thing that says they're happy I'm here they're recognizing mm. that me as a little person gets mm. something the grown-ups That's don't get. So I do believe mm. that so much of what we do is about making food a joyful experience, but not in a weird way mm. of prizes and treats, mm. but just in food is... Family.
3: Family. Communication. 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 How was your day?
0: I think Fun so. i am picking up on you. Talk about... Um, whether meal times in mm. your world lives are convenience driven or mm. do you have the time mm. to right. sit with your children and, right. and be cuz when you're sitting with them and you're saying this is what I like. I'm sitting. You have my attention, and it's not just about. I need you to put that in your mouth. I need you to put in your mouth. I need you to eat efficiently. I need you to do. It's your job to eat. Put mm. that foot. I mean, we, we go into this mission mm. about getting our kids to eat. Mm. And let me just throw one more thing out while you think about that. I'm gonna put Carol on first because, because um, I just will. But um, there's some research that was done 30, 40 years ago. And it said, of course, mothering and getting your children to eat is very strong emotional. But the study was that mothers were like talking to their children as they're as they're bottle feeding or breastfeeding, like eat eat, mm. I love, and they're making eye contact. And the children, the babies, six eight months, would slow down their feeding in order to engage mom's communication and contact. Mm. Mm. Moms believed they were getting their children to eat more and faster, mm. but the social dynamic was 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 making the whole meal time this lovely mm. bonding experience with moms. Mm. I don't think that changes when you're two. I don't mm. think it changes no. when you're twenties
1: mm-hmm. or Everything, when you're f-
2: everything's focused around a meal.
1: Your children it. That's very interesting it's because always focused we, around a meal. We have taught Eli because it's important to us to have. Good table manners, like I'm sure you hear me all the time, Karen, saying, no, Eli, we don't put our feet at the table. But we also teach him that it's important because this is a time of day when the whole family is together, that he needs to learn to sit at that table Mm. for, for quite some time. And not and sit engage. in a high chair. And, and we do not talk about food at that don't table. Don't talk about that food is at is the table. Not, <laughs> that is not go. what
0: it's about. Big takeaway. Mm. Mm. Don't talk about food at the tables. Mm. You mm. don't have to. Mm. Mm. Uh, I, when there, he's I, done I, eating, he'll huge. be done mm. eating. I, that's he'll, huge. He'll mm. take
1: the food off of his plate and throw it down on the floor as he's younger mm. when he's done eating. And talk now he'll push his plate away, but we still engage him in the conversation.
3: That's interesting. That's a great takeaway. Okay. I go know, ahead. Go no. Ahead. I, I, I was going to say I I uh I grew up in a single mother household and you know it was you know latchkey kids kind of thing. So I you know I didn't have a handbook for you know how to engage you know other than leave it to beaver. Yeah. You know watching June Cleaver and, and <laughs> them sit around the table and and have this so it's kind of a crazy notion. So I've struggled mentally um as a you know probably a workaholic um how do I balance this? And I've come to the conclusion recently, and my wife have been talking, my wife and I have been talking about this, is getting more meals together. We get some, you know, we're probably two out of seven a week, three out of seven, you know, probably half the week, let's say, we're sitting around. But other times it's television, you know, and it's, it's not, we're not attaching that emotional bond that you get with family Um and that's important. So I made the decision, you know, and it's part of, there's no handbook on this that I know of. I, I guess you're writing a handbook or making a <laughs> podcast handbook to so help other people to avoid these mistakes or learn from them. But um, it's taken me seven years to figure this out how important it is to sit around a table, not talk about food. That never even occurred to me. Now you're going to make it a tug of war. You don't want dinner to be a tug of war, you know. Uh, you want them to pick beautiful colors for their plate. That's where we're at now: colors, colors. Eat Let's the how rainbow, many eat, eat the rainbow. rainbow, and that's kind of you. You won't Diversity. do too bad if you're eating yep. the rainbow. Yep. If it's, I like if it's that idea. Yeah, it was a good one for me. I think uh, Mora, my had uh, Donna Klein turned us mm-hmm. on to that idea. The other thing is, I see a lot of parents uh, they they attach food to emotional events, i.e., emotional outbursts. There's a fight, parent over-responds. Consoles with food. I think that is, and I've done it. We've sure. all, I mean, you know, and I was raised that way, basically. It's
0: a, qu- it is that quick fix. Yeah, it is it a it quick is, fix, is. right? Oh, here, let me show. It's, it's like a grandparent. Excuse me for saying it. It's fine. There's, there's the stereotype under the bus. But the grandparent yeah. who buys the toys. It's like we want those ways yeah. to show in some tangible way our love, devotion, yeah. and attention.
3: When it's food the byproduct or the consequence, the unintended consequence, is that you attach that to emotional feelings such as anxiety yeah. over time. Okay. You know? And uh, you know, every time you're anxious or, or you anxious want to feel sort of better, better you associate it with you know comfort mm-hmm. food, the cliche. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Emotional eaters. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So the other place I wanna go and and just tell me how this if if this is something you see in your children from the taught from the twos uh Teddy were, Teddy's good mm. and <laughs> um. And that's one of the reasons why. And I don't fault people for television. I mean, lots of adults, you know, are catching up. We're multitasking. Sure. And in our in our one of our other podcasts, um, you know, we said, you know, if it works, don't change it. But when mm. it starts to feel like you need, you're ready for the change because you don't want to pull the rug out from under yourself sure. and force yourself. Yeah. Like, I'm going to do seven meals. Yeah. You know, we're no, going to bond.
3: It's about balance. You like know, everything. It's,
0: it's a journey, and yeah. you're taking it with your children. But the problem for me with the television is the mindfulness. You know, like, can I be aware of how I'm, how much I'm putting in, how Mm. it tastes? Am I Mm. present um, for this experience? So
3: that's a great
0: point. Do
1: you think your children are mindful eaters? And are you? And it's not only that, but it is. What does this television teach them? Mm. You look at the actors on television, you know, and the women are all very thin unless they're extremely overweight.
3: Right, the cliche fat friend. And then very
1: often the extremely overweight people are in a comedic type of role absolutely and I'm sure yeah, that that's the Louis CKs where they are. and the
0: Amy Schubert's of the world are changing mm. um, you know through More humor saying you know mm. what we own this and uh, flawed and imperfect as it is
1: we are who we mm. are so I, I but the number of those and the amount of that on television yeah, that the kids it are takes. exposed that's to is so
2: small is it's always in your face
1: you How have to make a conscious
2: attempt yeah. it's always in your face so the, the children are sitting and watching TV to, like, relax or kick up their feet for a minute. And it's in their face of the superhero and that mm-hmm. kind of thing mm-hmm. where the superhero is always this big Oh, the like, right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and the boys have to think they're like that. Or the girls have to think they look like these Wonder Woman or Superman. Wait, before you they learn that, but
1: before you even learning. get to the age of Wonder Woman and, so- and Superwoman, look at Mickey Mouse. Okay, Mickey is one shape and size, and Minnie is the same shape and size. But then you've got um, the guy, and I'm embarrassed to say I don't even know his name, but there's a big guy on Mickey Mouse. Pete. Pete. <laughs> right. It's right. Pete. Mickey And... <laughs> And, and two-year-old, he he's not dumber, always doing or something more wrong. he's, 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 the rest. he's something absolutely. Wrong. Yeah. He's uh, always doing something a lower something. voice. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. He does. And and the funny <sighs> thing is that that's yeah. that's big. Yeah, and you know, as
3: stereotyping,
1: as kids at two-year-old can tell you, I mean, Eli has not ever been afraid of Mickey Mouse or Minnie Mouse or Pluto or Donald Duck. But Pete comes on the TV and he is afraid. Hmm. And that afraid of the big boy or hmm. the big character comes through in the school and how the others, including the moms who are at school, treat the larger child.
3: But isn't that an inherent evolutionary advantage to be big? I mean, you know, when I lost weight and I was a six foot two guy in school, I had a lot of advantages. You know, I mean, you know, I was the big, you know, I mean, girl, I mean.
0: Tall is different than big. It's probably a contradictory message, too. It's complicated. there is a power, there is a physical presence. um, But I think that the cultural message um, is, I mean, probably just like, you know, shapely women of Mm. one time Mm. versus Barbie doll women. You know, I think that the media image, I think it's a contradiction, Mm. but certainly... I think everyone has a very unrealistic weight um, perception out there now. Oh yes. That that so is brutal. that is that has nothing to do with health or wellness, but mm. it has to do with whether your bones are shelling or something mm. or other. I don't know. Um, but I, you know, we have Holocaust three, chic. We have three-year-old girls who are walking around um, th- thinking about dieting, and dieting doesn't mean health, and it doesn't mean um beauty or attraction attractiveness it just means lose 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 because there is no thin enough that i think there there's no the thin there's That's the true. crisis mm. of of this decade mm. or the, the recent decades mm-hmm. and that is that there's that it's there's, there's there's nothing thin enough there's nothing mm. You, there's no winning this battle, so it has to be reframed completely for our kids. That has to do with well, how do you reframe it for your kids
3: when most of the people you're interacting with are stuck in this kind of commercial matrix? You know, they're 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 stuck at this level of commercialism. You know, I mean, to them, they're they're plugged right in. That's the way they see the world. Basically, here's
0: here's what I believe, Um, and and I want to talk about. And then I want to go from here into the nature and exercise deal Mm -hmm. because exercise is a slippery slope in the same way where it becomes manic rather Mm. than health driven. Here's here's my hope and dream. And this is why I do what I do, because those messages are plugged into all of us as as living in this culture, which is my deal with entitlement is, you know, we can't look about um, nothing ever not having enough, not being enough, not doing enough because we those those messages are just pushed into us from the minute we start breathing in the morning. Mm -hmm. Wake up and start breathing. But when we become conscientious of our choices around children, our children become a reason to change. Our children become a reason to reevaluate our culture Mm -hmm. and our realities. And so we do it from a family to a school to a community, Mm -hmm. and, and the ripple effects go out because we may not be... It's much harder to change that shame in us. Mm,
1: yeah, but
0: for yes. our children, mm. we will lay down anywhere mm. and, and take those chances mm. and make that journey. So we grow because mm. we're around children. Indeed. So I think we have hope. I think mm. we can do it. And how do we change the messages? By by the pause. By the see me, hear me, love me and saying, how are you feeling about this? Uh, how am, How are you processing that message? And how do I change that message to help you feel... Good and strong with who you are, where you are right now, and if you're not feeling good eating that extra cookie, or if you're feeling sluggish, or you're feeling like, I put on the television to zone out, thinking that was a way to relax, versus sitting outside and looking at clouds Mm. or going for a walk in the neighborhood, I took this Mm. quick fix easy answer that Mm. my culture says to take Mm. rather than a strategy Mm. that I might actually choose if I said what really works for me Mm. and what really works for you may not work for me I'm an active person, I want to be moving and some people need to I have a friend who's, he's an artist and he's a spatial learner and he's he's a very visual person and so he wants, he's like stop moving Mm-hmm. Like, and when I do curriculum planning, he reminds me, think of the children who don't like to move mm-hmm. and give right. them that same inner joy that Very comes from within them. We don't all, mm-hmm. nobody's, we're all different. There are people that mm-hmm. are go fishing and they, take, and they take their children and the child's mm-hmm. sitting in the back of the bo- boat, boat with a book. You know what? I was that Okay, you can't, <laughs> I don't, I can't say you need to move more. No.
3: Can you? I mean, that's a good question. At some point, can you? Um, You know, at some point, does not moving become unhealthy-ish? You know where's I, you know that what? line?
0: I think every person, every family finds a way to honor who we are. Yeah, fair enough. And say, and if I'm feeling like I'm not at my optimum mm. sense of myself, like I, like you know elastasis. when you need, you know when you need more movement. Yes. You know yeah. when you need less calories. In, yeah. You know when you need to change the portions. You need, you know when you need to go on a give up starches for. Mm-hmm. A f- you know, we all t- it's. There's no easy fix, Mm. but I think that's also
2: a point in society where people need to be comfortable with who they are and not do what everybody else is doing, because I feel like a lot of people do what all their friends are doing, so now the big thing is for moms to drop their child off at work, I mean, at school, and then go to the gym and say, I'm at the gym, (laughs) and tell everybody, oh, I'm at the gym, I I went to the gym today, whereas... If, and then I've not like come across, I enjoy working out. I like going to the gym, so yes, I do. But I used to work out with a girl who was like, I hate this. I hate being here. This, this is the worst thing. Working out is the worst thing. And I always was like, she was very successful in losing a lot of weight. But I was like, then don't be Find something else to keep you. But don't bring your negativity to people here who are enjoying it. Or, you know, but because it's the thing to do, quote unquote, you know, you have to do what's great for you and your family. So, and and the teach issue, your children to be comfortable with who they are and enjoy doing what they're doing. As you were saying, if you're the kid that's sitting at the back of the boat reading a book, that's okay. And
0: let's go back to the shame, because what happens is when you say that out loud to your child in front of your children, I have to go to the gym and I hate working out. Mm. I have to do this thing because I'm going to put myself in a box. Now, there's another thing to that, you and you we each have the choice, and that is you can either say you don't, you can either like find the thing that you like. But I think that it's like when you say to your children. Anytime you say to your children, do that thing you hate and force yourself Mm -hmm. to do it, you're creating a tension and an anxiety. Mm -hmm. But you can also say, as a writer, we all, all writers know, I love having written. I don't, the process is is horrific sometimes. The outcome
3: feels great. The outcome feels
0: great. So now you say, I hate, you're allowed to be honest around Mm -hmm. your children and say, I hate working out. The reason I do this mm-hmm. is cuz I like feeling strong. Mm-hmm. Right? I
1: like f- this is Healthy. you know I hate working out so I found something else to do You
3: right, yeah, I, I go like hiking. To do, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Right. you
1: know let's, let's go, go outside it, and what you like That's
3: to do. Find, there's like, a
0: million oh. ways to be honest and true with yourself. So let's I, I need you So to is it t-
3: t- I'm sorry is it takeaway if I'm hearing you correctly and everyone here basically acceptance is the answer. Basically accepting who you are to thine own self be true. Just being honest with yourself and accepting that. that's oh you're and, slow, and if you, you want to make a change work way, work, just start where that. you are yeah. see
0: me hear me love me here and if that's not if that's and, and at some point and this is why i always say don't change what isn't broken because at some point if something is wrong you're going to, at some point, go, eh, this mm. doesn't feel right anymore. If you have that barometer to look within, then you'll go, now now it's time mm. to change. But if you have someone go, you're reading too much, you're doing this too much, you're mm. not working out, then you're always, the, the opposite so of shame hard. has to yeah. be acceptance, I yeah. think. I, and I, and I, I'm I, saying that as a non-professional living, yeah. yeah. But yeah. it just has to be this.
3: Well, absolutely. Kind of I, I th- don't know if those are synonymous terms, the complete opposite, but certainly one who accepts themselves has no shame. That's a fact.
0: So you know. start there, and if you need to make and and and, and, and we need everything is always fluid. Everything mm. is always a process. Nothing ever stays static. Yeah. So we're we're out of time. So the idea of wow. now finding a way for that um, for that physical stuff for the time in nature, and I think it's always still this this thing of how do we stay connected. To people, places, and something that that is good and sustaining for us, rather than that mm. thing that's picking at us and feeling right. like you're not enough, not, not the right weight, not the right healthy, not the right whatever. Mm. I mean, I think that might be the crisis of body image. And I think that
2: I think teaching your children to again, accept themselves for who they are, and go with it in a positive way. If you teach your child positivity, they'll take it to this little group of friends who will hopefully take it to their families and to extend it out and teach them positivity and acceptance and look at the good things in your life and as opposed to the negative. So look at, oh, he's a really good person. He's so sweet. He does this instead of, oh, he's so big. Right. Like, if- you know, teach the children to look at it in a positive way. And then, you know, oh, because I'm so tall, I can reach the groceries on the top shelf for the – you know, a person, a person shorter than me who can't. And when you
0: aren't take sure, to I love that, with the way you said it, because it's like, and they'll take it to their friends. If you have a question, if you're in doubt, just listen to them. Listen to what they're saying. Listen to what they're repeating. Listen to what they are Internalizing mm. from this world, and when it sounds a little, when it when it grabs you either by the throat or in the gut, and it's like I'm not happy with this, then you then that's when you come back and go, all right, let's you know what I'm not sure that feels
1: the way I want it to feel. So you know what? And when at the younger age when they can't necessarily express themselves you, as you well, still see it. you watch what you they're watch doing and exactly. you could see it
0: exactly. Right. So we always have a wrap up mm. question, and the wrap up question is, you've got this. How do you have this for right here, right now, um, with your children and your grandchildren? So, take a deep breath and look back over all the things we didn't even get to say, and tell me how you've got this. Okay, Carol. Dylan's pointing at you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's
1: point at Carla first. Oh my okay. gosh, <laughs> Carla, we're passing
0: it today. How,
1: I? how yes. I got this?
2: I don't. I just feel like I got this by, you know whole positive thing and I just try encourage the
0: good in them where where was your aha with your self-acceptance where did you because you you sound like you've really come to peace with that for
2: me yes I have and I think since my life's changed so much over the past couple years and I realize I'm a good strong person
1: and taking care of yourself yeah I love you thanks (laughs) Okay, I think I've got it um, because I don't have to do all the rush things. I am very thankful that I am a major force in, in Eli's life. In part, you know, they lived with us for nine months, and we're close to them, and I'm the one who brings him to the programs. And that's a real positive that I'm not the one rushing around, making those bad choices. And as being a little bit older, I think that I probably have a little different perspective on things.
0: I'm so glad mm-hmm. that you were able to sit with us today, mm-hmm. uh, because I know that you have eyes to see and the time to see.
3: Mm-hmm. And
0: and you've been able to show me things that I wasn't aware of. So I thank you wholeheartedly.
3: I have acceptance. Um, see me, hear me, love me. Uh, Accept me for who I am. See me, hear me, love me. That's basically accept me as I am. Accept the child as I am. So my big takeaway from this is just acceptance, you know, um, and to thine own self be true. You'll know when you need to move. You know, you you don't want to create things that are friction, short-term fixes. Accept the way it is. You know, redirect in, in slight ways. But acceptance is my big takeaway.
0: But I thank you because you've had the bravery to come out and say where the struggles can be. Mm. And um, and none of us should ever overlook that we've all been through those struggles in one way or another. Thank you all Thank for you. making this yeah. an extraordinary day. <laughs> Thank, Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. So that's the mess for today. We appreciate you listening to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me, seeing little people learn and grow, listening to parents taking a crazy, uncertain journey, loving the fun and loving the mistakes. You write the rules, you write your story. We just want to be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know you got this. We'll catch you next week, take care. Oh, 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 wait, we're growing too. So if you had a great time today, Please spread the word to a friend. You can also join our conversation on Facebook. That's with Karen Wester, And there's great parenting resources for you at www.familytimeinc.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Torah Congregation for this lovely space. Thank you, David Dweck, for that sweet voiceover. And thanks to the front and the follow for the song listen. We are listening. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.